the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, just don't play the song. There aren't any real games being played that uh, anybody cares about anywhere. It won't be for a while. But there's still quite a bit of talk about the national anthem and what should happen when it is played or sung before a game. Uh, Mark Cuban got in a Twitter battle today with Ted Cruz down in Texas. Uh, it started Mark Davis, he's a, a talk show host down there, tweeted that he was really excited about the start of the NBA's bubble season. They're going to play in a bubble down there in Orlando, just uh, no fans and the usual stuff. Um, he said he was really excited about the season, but he also tweeted that if any players chose to kneel during the song, he was done. And he wouldn't be watching the NBA. And then Mark Cuban, who is uh, the Pittsburgh guy who owns the Mavericks, he responded with a one-word answer on Twitter, by B-Y-E. Well, Ted Cruz tweeted out, NBA is telling everyone who stands for the flag to piss off. Cuban said last month that he hopes the NBA allows the players to kneel and they'd be proud to join them, which again is just more evidence that the song needs to be shut down. You can't play it anymore. It doesn't work. Cuban's obviously a smart guy, but how could you be dumb enough to think that it makes sense to play the national anthem in an empty arena for the purpose of letting the players show their disrespect for the idea by kneeling? No fans there, no uh, ceremony, no ritual involved, which is what it is, just the players, and then they all kneel. How stupid is that? The purpose of the song is to play it when people are gathered together to give them a chance to say that, you know, they're going to take two minutes to overlook their differences and show that if it's ever necessary, don't forget that, uh, you know, we will forget those differences and we're going to defend the country and what it stands for. It's not really a novel idea. Uh, Cuban also has said that what he refers to as the anthem police are out of control, and he said, if you have a problem with the anthem, you should complain to your boss and ask why the Star-Spangled Banner isn't played every day before you start work. Just another example of mind-boggling stupidity and a total lack of understanding of the purpose of a national anthem and when it should be played. How could anyone think it's about starting a work day just because it's played before the NBA or NFL or Major League Baseball players go to quote-unquote work? It's just stupid beyond belief to make that analogy. And, and more proof that supposedly smart people are too stupid to understand what the purpose of the anthem is. You don't play the national anthem to nobody, for nobody. The purpose of it is, this is our chance. Do you ever hear the announcement before they play the national anthem? Ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Gentlemen, remove your hats as we honor America. And if you don't like America or if you don't want to honor America, that's fine. But if... If you're going to have as part of the ceremony, we wait and see what a certain group is going to do and how they're going to protest and not honor America. It defeats the whole purpose of the thing. Just forget it. But the, the stupidity of thinking that it has something to do with starting a work day. I mean, I said Mark Cuban's a pretty smart guy, but that, that is embarrassingly stupid. And what an analogy. And it's more proof that more supposedly smart people are too stupid to understand what the purpose of the anthem is and why it shouldn't be sung anymore. It just no longer makes sense. There won't be anything more moronic happening in the country than the national anthem being played before games with nobody in the stands for the purpose of finding out which players are going to kneel. But you can be pretty sure you're going to see that because it, stupidity is rampant right now. But we're going to talk about the National Anthem in our second half hour today, by the way, with a guy who wrote a piece telling everybody why the National Anthem should be celebrated and sung loudly and proudly and has nothing to do with uh, Francis, Scott's key, Francis Scott Key owning slaves or any of the other stuff you've heard. But coming up next, we're going to talk to someone who talked to someone in the Trump administration 
who says that the CDC has been working against the president and against the American people. That's coming up after the break. Stick around. Uncle Tom is a movie that leftist Democrats don't want you to see, which, of course, is one big reason why you should want to see it. Uh, Uncle Tom stars Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, and Brandon Tatum. Now, they all share three things in common. They're courageous, they had a life-changing experience, and they are black conservative Americans. Something else they have in common? Their voices are the ones the leftists don't want you to hear at a time when so many desperately need to hear it. It's their stories of how their lives were changed when they finally figured out the truth. It's the story of black conservatives in their own voice. You can see Uncle Tom now on pay-per-view. Just go to UncleTom.com and download it. The stories that these courageous people have to tell will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. It's a story of redemption and hope. It's the story of America's black conservatives, and it's the truth. See Uncle Tom now. Just go to UncleTom.com. In small business, competition can be brutal. Over 90% of your potential customers read online reviews before buying. If your company's online reputation doesn't reflect how your customers feel about your business, then your competitor is getting the sale. If you're going to win the battle, you have to manage your company's online reputation. Reviews911.net wants to offer you a free trial of our online reviews management platform that you can have up and running in about five minutes. You'll learn how to replace bad reviews with good ones and how current reviews can make you show up at the top of local search results. Improve your customer's brand experience and get more reviews on the sites that matter most, like Google, Yelp, Facebook, and all the rest, so that new customers will find you first. Win the small business slugfest when you text WIN to 411411. Reviews911.net. Text the word WIN to 411411 to get your free trial today. Text WIN to 411411. Text WIN to 411411. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the Trump administration took some criticism from the usual places when it uh, started pushing back uh, on the CDC. Maybe somebody noticed that 99% of the money given to PACs by people who work there went to Democrats. Tracy Beans of Uncover DC has uncovered a reason for why the administration might not want to buy everything that the uh, CDC is selling. Tracy, thanks for being here. Tracy? I'm Uh-oh. here. Thanks oh, there for you having are. me. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. I want to make sure you, you were there. Uh, yeah, thanks for having, coming on again. Um, so uh, what has changed with the relationship between the, the Trump administration and the CDC? Well, I spoke to a senior administration official who told me that there's a very serious concern within the administration that the CDC has been politicizing the data coming in from hospitals in regards to COVID patients, how many cases they have, how many people are in the ICU, etc. So when the CDC, you know, before the pandemic, the CDC had a very outdated system for collecting this data. Sometimes it was even done by fax machine. And so they were tasked with upgrading those systems um, as the pandemic, you know, grew in, in, in severity. And they would give give estimates for, for these upgrades in the weeks, several weeks instead of days. And it, it was something that needed to be do right away, done right away. And they were dragging their feet. And, you know, we know the CDC has messed up a lot, especially when it came to the data on this duplicative uh, cases included in their totals, you know, having to remove thousands of cases, the tests that they sent out in the beginning. So Health and Human Services decided that they wanted to take over data collection and so they did. So now there is real-time data collection from, um, I think, as of this week, 100% of the hospitals in the country. And this administration official was very concerned that this was being done purposefully, that there were doctors and scientists at the CDC that are putting politics in front of the American people. And so the CDC, in response to the Health and Human Services Department taking this back, decided they were going to just take all of their data down from the Internet. Now, that was crucial because a lot of reporters and health officials and other people are using the CDC's data to gauge, you know, the coronavirus as a whole and how this how it's progressing. But this was just a move to cause a problem. There was no mandate to do this. Um, so they've been now ordered to put it back up. It's the same data as the HHS is getting. It's just that the HHS is collecting it now rather than the CDC to avoid these problems. Well, now, the CDC is one of those organizations that just about every American would trust. Uh, I think probably uh, most Americans did trust and maybe still do uh, the CDC uh, before this pandemic and wouldn't think of as being political. But apparently that's not the case. That, that's uh, it's pretty scary. It is scary. Um, you know, in no uncertain terms, I, I asked directly the question, is this being done purposefully? And in some cases, yes, was the answer I received, that they're putting out science that's bunk just to discredit President Trump's coronavirus response. It's something that they're very well aware of and are trying to now stop, because at the end of the day, from the administration's perspective, it's not even about, you know, how Donald Trump looks. It's about the health of the American people. And so they want good data to make the right decisions about reopening, the right guidance, et cetera, so on and so forth. It's so much more important than, than an election. It's, it's the health of, of Americans. Yeah, and, and the, the, um, for, the, for the administration to push back, um, that is, I mean, the, the, whatever Donald Trump does, there are certain large parts of the media, if he says up, they're going to say down. But pushing back against the CDC, is, it's kind of like pushing back against the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. I mean, um, and he's going he's gonna to be taking heat for thinking it's doing it only because he, the CDC is making him look bad by, by reporting data that, that, that shows that a lot of people are getting the disease or whatever. So it, it wouldn't seem like a good idea politically to um, uh, push back unless they were pretty certain that they had to because there was something bad going on. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, another thing is a lot of people don't understand that the, the CDC is, is, a, is a, a child organization under the Department of Health and Human Services. So the fact that HHS is collecting this data shouldn't scare anybody. It should actually make people take a sigh of relief that if they've noted these problems, that now they're going to try and get a handle on this and, and you know, revamp these antiquated systems, fax machines. You know, I, I, I saw an anecdotal story pass by where doctors inside of a hospital, you know, the administrators were calling the CDC to call in their information. They asked how many cases that they had. The, the administrator replied, we have one case in, in admitted. How many people work in that wing? They were asked. They said 43. The CDC responds, so you have 44 cases. They assumed oh, that everybody working in that hospital, in that wing, would then be a, t a, a, a case. But, you know, and then you've got people that are getting tested four and five times. All of those tests are being counted as new cases, not just tied to one person. Um, 
the HHS was also in charge of fixing that debacle in Florida that was just recently reported. So there's a lot going on here with data. And I think that as the weeks go on in the next week or two, now that they've got real-time reporting, we're going to start to actually see real a real picture of what's going on in the country. I, I just uh, talked to somebody who, um, who went to get tested. There were four people. They went to get tested here in Pennsylvania somewhere. And the line was ridiculously long, and they waited and waited, and they just said the heck with it, and they, they left. And they just recently received notice that they tested positive. And, and, I'm hearing and that all over. Yeah, I hear it all over the place. Yeah. This is one that I'm, I've heard personally today. Yeah, it's not a surprise. I mean, everybody is being pushed to get tested for this virus. even, And that's another thing with these tests, just so it's quickly... Um, brief everyone. The, the the PCR test is the test that they're using. It was never designed to test for a virus. They've been using it in that capacity for several years. But if you adjust the specificity on this test, it's it's propri- It's not pro- it's not a standard. So every lab in the country is not using the same exact specificity on this PCR test. So somebody who tests negative now in New York could go to Florida or some other state that is crucial to have greater numbers of pandemic and test positive for this virus even though it wouldn't be a positive case in New York. So that's another story that we're working on right now that I think is, is really seriously underreported at this point. And, you know, it could be, it could, they could just simply change the parameters and cause nearly everyone to be positive for, for coronavirus. It, it's, it's something else. It really is. We're talking to Tracy Beans of Uncovered D.C., and she has uh, spoken to someone in the Trump administration, a senior administration official, who says that the CDC is uh, basically that, you know, the, the summary of what you're saying is that the CDC is working against the Trump administration, which means they're working against the people they're supposed to be protecting. That's exactly right. Yes. And and um, th- this is uh, would it be say that um, uh, I mean th- th- from what you're told that the president actually believes again you know President Trump has uh, has so many um, uh, obstacles in front of him all the time especially with the media if if he does come up with something that is uh, this is a pretty spectacular uh, claim. But he, the president himself, believes the CDC is actually trying to make him look bad. Is it is it a hatred for him? Uh, there is a political motivation behind some of the actions that they're taking at the CDC. Absolutely, and I I don't know. I can't speak for what President Trump thinks. This administration official mm-hmm. didn't either. Um, but I, you know, he he said throughout the administration they're very concerned that not only uh, about this data issue, but that they're they are stifling the release of diagnostics and other, you know, other things that, that will help to uh, prophylactics, et cetera. Things like that are being held up and politicized um, only because they want the coronavirus response to look poor instead of, you know, looking great. They don't want the economy to come back. I mean, these are very real concerns and they have information to back this up. So I wouldn't have ever published a story from a source without, some you know real chops behind it because i don't really i think the american people are sick and tired of hearing a source of, of a source of a source said sure. um, so when i decided to publish this piece i was really cognizant of that feeling um it's just too important so i had to move forward with it and were you shocked yourself no what, no what because i've been told studying you? this person yeah. told you no i wasn't only because i've been studying this data since you know december in 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 china and i've been covering the story since it started and I, I see what they've done with this data. I mean, anybody can take a look. A lot of people are saying we knew that already because a lot of people have been examining this data and seeing discrepancies left and right. I mean, it's, 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 it's visible to the naked eye. So it's, it's not a shock, but to hear somebody in the position as this person was saying that they're aware of it and that's why they're doing the things they're doing was, was shocking, I guess, in itself, yes. Yeah, I just saw uh, somewhere today that... Uh Back in, um, I think it was March, President Trump was ridiculed for uh, saying to Sean Hannity that he didn't believe the uh, WHO's estimate that uh, 3.4% of the people who get the disease would die, which meant 2 million people in the United States. And he said, I, have a, I just have a hunch that it's going to be more like 0.5%. And everybody ridiculed him, and it turns out that it's 0.4%. So 
and he's yeah. been right b- before in pushing back. And I wonder when he pushes back the way he does in something like that. You know more about this than I do. You're an investigative reporter and talk to the people there in Washington. I, d- I just don't think he makes statements like that just off the top of his head. He must be being told things by other people who do know what's going on. I Yes, and I just want everyone out there to understand that, you know, the things that you guys don't see – the fights that go on, the, the, the hurdles that are thrown, the walls that need to be bashed through in order for this administration to help the American people are astronomical. Um, it's not like nothing I've ever seen before. It's taxing. It's horrible. And he's up against so much. So, I mean, you know, think about that when you're going to the polls in November. Yeah, and and this is something. I mean, we're talking about a disease that that has the potential to kill people, not the potential that they told us it had, but it's still it's still a serious disease, and that these people would be so um, um, obsessed with making sure that Donald Trump doesn't become uh, win, win another election, that they would jeopardize people's health, not only just because what they're how they're playing with the disease. But the the effects of the economy being shut down as a result of the information that they're putting out or not putting out. Yes, and they're starting to actually, you know, figure figure out from the data they're collecting about the school what the recommendations for school to open are. Look, this is this is touching people in local communities everywhere. Local governments are doing some crazy things. I have a friend down in Florida who told me today that Broward County is attempting to try to make people, uh, you know social distance and wear masks in their own homes now oh, it's, it's getting absolutely insane out there and you know i have a pre-existing condition i'm afraid of this virus i don't want it i'm sure other people elderly people diabetes other things you know you take mm-hmm. care of yourself you take extra precautions you shouldn't force the rest of the country into that now usually it's we're talking to tracy beans of uncovered dc and it's uncoverddc.com correct tracy yep that's it yeah, uh, um, and usually in situations like this, uh, you'll be told things off the record that you can't put in your piece that you just wrote without violating, you know, a confidence or, or a, a confidential uh, piece of information. But but are there other things going on related to this that may come forward later with this because of what you were told but you can't use right now, I guess is my question. Yes. Yeah, I thought I was going to get that. Is that all you're going to give me is a yes? <laughs> Just yes, for yeah. now. So no, but I mean it's not it's it's not unusual for you to you're you're getting stuff that you can use, and you're also getting other stuff on background as an investigative reporter, which then sends you scurrying looking for other sources to confirm what this person may or may not have told you, right? Absolutely, yes. If you do journalism correctly, that's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> Don't tell the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I, this doesn't relate it to what we're talking about here, but um, uh, I, one of the things I noticed here, and I, I I can't even watch the press conferences with the governor and the health minister, whatever he's called here, um, because I, I see the 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 government put out the information, and then I see the local news stations they just throw up a graphic and they just go with it. There's no pushback. Does the media push back enough? <clears throat> No, 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 they don't push back on the right things and they're not interested in the truth. As, you know, they ran with a, a fabricated quote for days, even after being corrected. At this point, it's, it's literally a war on the American people from the media. I'm sorry to say it that way. It's just it's just true. The American people are not hearing the truth from these legacy media organizations. They're just not. It is straight up propaganda in many cases. And so that's why uncover dc exists i couldn't take it anymore i couldn't well, I, take it anymore <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad you're out there tracy and i'm 100 percent out of time thanks for being here thank you have a great night you too tracy beans uncover dc.com we'll be back With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Scientists at Oxford University reporting some success with their experimental coronavirus vaccine. In an early trial, the vaccine has been shown to prompt a protective immune response in hundreds of people who got the shot. British researchers first began testing the vaccine in April. President Trump bringing back the daily White House coronavirus task force briefings. Those public sessions ended in late April, but... Mr. Trump plans to resume them starting this week. 
Top GOP leaders met today with the president to discuss the next COVID-19 aid package. Speaking with reporters in the Oval Office, the president expressing optimism about getting a package hammered out. Big technology companies powered stocks higher today. The Dow picked up eight points, the Nasdaq up 263, and the S&P 500 gained 27. This is SRN News. TNT $76 a month. Verizon Wireless $83 a month. Sprint $92 a month. That's what the average family of four is saving a month by switching to Pure Talk USA. Pure Talk will give you unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data offer just $20 a month. Go to PureTalkUSA.com, enter the promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. PureTalkUSA.com, promo code half off. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. This is the story they don't want you to see, told by people they don't want you to hear at a time when so many desperately need to hear it. This is the story of Uncle Tom. Most people are completely oblivious to the history of the Democratic Party. Sorry, Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Herman Cain, Brandon Tatum. Hear their stories of how their life was changed when they finally figured out the truth. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. This is their story of redemption and hope. Dr. Sebastian Gorka sees Biden as a threat to national security. Joe Biden is senile. He's a threat to national security if he ever gets near the nuclear football. Oh, is this the button to get me another Diet Coke or to launch our nuclear weapons? America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The Answer. The Answer Pittsburgh celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at TheAnswerPGH.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. This is John Samick, owner of ServiceMaster of Greater Pittsburgh. Our specialty cleaning services can provide the peace of mind your customers and employees need when you reopen your facility. Contact us today. The man, the yellow man, called Service Master. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. We have developed a comprehensive facility reopening guide for businesses preparing to re-enter the workplace. Visit ServiceMasterGreaterPGH.com to download yours today. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got The Answer. Good evening on this hot night. It's jammed on the Parkway East on 376 outbound between 885 and the Squirrel Hole Tunnel. Inbound from Edgewood Swissvale to the Squirrel Hole Tunnel. And it's jammed on the Parkway West on 376 inbound from Route 19 to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. A crash in Beachview on 51 outbound at Woodruff Street. And it's jammed up from the Parkway West. I'm Ann Evans. That's a look at your traffic. AM 1250. The Answer. Weather. A couple clouds in the sky tonight with a low 69. Sunshine and clouds tomorrow with an afternoon shower, thunderstorm in some areas with a high 88. Tomorrow night, a shower, thunderstorm around. Cloudy and humid with a low 70. Wednesday, some sun followed by thickening clouds with a heavy thunderstorm in the area and a high of 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. 
Well, there's still quite a bit of discussion out there about the singing of the national anthem. Mark Cuban, who owns the Dallas Mavericks, Pittsburgh guy, has said that he's encouraging his players to kneel during the anthem if they ever have a, a season. And I don't know why they would play the national anthem when there are no fans, but apparently they're going to do it. And, of course, there are people out there who want to change the anthem because it was written by a slaveholder. It has scary words in it and a few other reasons. Joshua Lawson is the managing editor of The Federalist. He wrote a piece about it today, and he joins us now. Thanks for being here, Joshua. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. So uh, everybody is, uh, not everybody, but too many people these days are trying to cancel, uh, de-legitimize, vilify everything that happened uh, more than 20 minutes ago in in America. So the Star-Spangled Banner is is one of those things. Um, And you wrote a piece in The Federalist about it today. Uh, some of the things you talked about there, like uh, the, it's being criticized because it has a British melody. Why is that a problem? Uh, it's it's not a problem. It's actually quite delightful if you if you look into it. So, so the the melody of the Star Spangled Banner uh, comes from John Stafford Smith's um, "An Anchron to Heaven," or sometimes it's called "An Acreon to Heaven," um, and it's a British drinking song that would be sung at pubs back in the day. And so, if you think about it, it's actually incredibly subversive in the best way possible, right? You've taken this British song that belongs to a nation that we defeated in a war for independence, and then we're using it as a melody for a subsequent victory in the War of 1812. It's, it's thumbing their nose in, in the best way possible. So that's not a drawback. That's actually a feature of the anthem. Uh, you don't cover this in your piece, but I was just thinking about it as you're saying this. Um, he, wrote, he wrote this as a poem, correct? And then it became, and then people sang it to the tune of a British melody. Uh, yeah, what, Francis point Scott, it, he wrote it, it as a poem, yeah. But w- at what point did it become a song? I mean, at w- what point, put it this way, were people singing it in, in, the, in, in the United States? Um, you've got sheet music for it being published in the late 1800s. Um, it wasn't officially the U.S. national anthem, though, until it was signed into law in 1931, an act of Congress, and then uh, Hoover signed it. Um, yeah. There's debate even then about, um, you know, should this be the anthem? But back then it was mostly about the musical nature of the piece. It's got a large range of an octave and a fifth. So you got to have some vocal chops to sing it right, or you just right. start at an appropriate note. Um, but now, of course, the, the criticisms of the anthem are, are right in line with the New York Times 1619 project, which is it's too favorable to America. It's too happy. It's too patriotic. And so they're trying to cancel it for all those reasons. I guess there are people out there who think that you should have a national anthem, uh, and the the actual definition of what an anthem is, uh, you know, it's it's an anthem. It's it's a it's a profession of of uh, love, um, and but people think that their song should be something where you're um, admitting to all your sins. That should be your anthem. I, I mean, it, it, it makes no sense. No sense at all. No sense at all. No. Um, look, America's history, like every nation, is complicated, but um, the role of an anthem is to is to lift our spirits and to remind us of everything that is good in our country. Dwelling on the past and dwelling on every misstep and every error gets us nowhere. It only uh, adds to our strife and our division. So if there's you know, one moment for a minute and 20 seconds when we can come together and speak about the resilience of this country, you know, that's what the anthem's for. And, and that's, what some, that's what's so great about the Star-Spangled Banner. Originally, it was written to commemorate this victory back in 1814 um, during the Battle of Baltimore, where Fort McHenry, you know, withstood this massive British bombardment. But now, you know, the, the lyrics really go beyond what Francis Scott Key originally composed. Now, now that flag and that song is the flag that, that those firemen planted at Ground Zero um, after 9-11. It's, it's um, you know, we just had the anniversary of the moon landing. It's, it's Buzz Aldrin saluting the stars and stripes in the sea of tranquility. You know, this, this song, now these lyrics are way beyond what Francis Scott Key composed in a good way. And every time we sing this song and hear someone really knock it out of the park, it reminds us of this American resilience that, you know, we still stand. Uh, we're not going anywhere, and this country's not going anywhere, and we've got to fight to keep it. Uh, but, but Joshua, he was a slaveholder, the guy who wrote the song. 
Francis yes. Scott Key. We can't yes. be singing a song. Yes, he was. <laughs> um, it's undeniable. Francis Scott Key was a slaveholder, um, <laughs> as were many of the, the founding fathers and people who lived in that day. But it's, it's treacherous if we're to view them all with a 2020 lens. Um, it's, it's complicated, and it needs to be viewed in the context of its time. Uh, one thing that is always left out of this narrative of Francis Scott Key being this horrifically awful person is that he had a, you know, this change of heart near the end of his life. He freed at least six of his former slaves. He started representing them. He was a lawyer. He started representing um, freed slaves and um, those that were still in bondage pro bono for free. Um, he, he joined um, a number of abolitionist groups to try to help secure a free African nation for former uh, black Americans that were now freed. So if anything, we, we should be celebrating that Francis Scott Key um, near the end of his life started to moderate his position and he turned around. We want people to, to make amends and to, um, you know, come to some conciliatory positions instead of dwelling on the faults that they used to have. Yeah. And, and you know, <clears throat> uh, if you think back to, to what, world he was born into and the world he lived in for all all those years exactly uh, yep. switching to uh, becoming an abolitionist would, is almost as drastic a change now as with someone who d- would decide you know i think slavery is an okay idea i mean it's just it yes. was a total reversal of what he grew up believing from the minute he was born yes that slavery exactly. was a good was not there was nothing wrong with slavery mm-hmm you're right and and um, I, I, the, but the word slave is used in the song too, and it's criticized for that. Yeah, this is also this is this is brought up by a number of the a number of the pieces that have been published uh, recently criticizing the anthem. Um, you know, you had one from the editor in chief of Yahoo Music. You had one in the L.A. Times, written by uh, Jody Rosen, who's a writer for New York Times Magazine, and they bring up this this seldom sung third verse that was written as part of the poem that Francis Gottke composed. And yes, there's the word slave there, but he wasn't referring to, to black Americans in bondage. He was referring to any British soldier that was in service to the crown. Cause in his eyes, they were all lackeys. They were all enslaved by, you know, this royal oppression. So that's, that's totally twisting that right out of the context. And, and Francis Kotke himself would have been shocked to hear that that's what he meant. Yeah, and, and context is kind of the thing that you're supposed to uh, keep in mind, isn't it, when you're, when you're trashing something from 200 years ago? Uh, yeah, always. And we've, we've really lost that um, in terms of all of the historical discussions that have been going on for the last, uh, it seems, month and a half now um, is is viewing everything in its proper context and the history that um, it was born into and, uh, and then yeah, learning from it and uh, evolving. But context is everything in history. Yeah. And, and the, uh, if you could uh, elaborate a little bit more on, on the, the use of the word slave, because that, that's the one that uh, people seem to uh, really want to hang their hat on when it comes to saying it's a, um, uh, you know, wanting to wanting to get rid of the song is that uh, it, it's a it's a um, it, it's a glorification of, but it's a, a dismissal of slavery. Whatever whatever they thought he was doing with that word. Yeah, um, I I'm forgetting the the name of the of the author, but there's there's a book that um, your readers can can Google it. I'm sure, and your listeners um, of the. The man who who wrote the definitive volume on the whole history of the Star Spangled Banner, he goes into this in particular. He had an article uh, not too long ago in the Star Tribune explaining that key when he uses the word slave is not talking about slaves in the South or slaves that are uh, Black Americans that are that are in you know imprisoned in bondage in the United States. He's using it as an insult. Like the whole song is really, um, as I said earlier, it's really thumbing. Something it's knows that the British at this, you know, wonderful Royal Navy that could not take down Fort McHenry. And so it's it's used as an insult to these British soldiers, because at the time, of course, Americans are, are free um, in uh, the early 19th century there. And they're looking at these folks that they're having to fight yet again um, and and saying, you're the slaves. Um, you're the slaves because you are. 
completely controlled by this 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 monarch uh, ruling out of London, and and you don't have the freedom we have, and so it's really poking at their their lack of freedom as British subjects. You would think that some of the the supposedly smart people who are uh, quick to condemn the song and and want to cancel it, you would think that it wouldn't be that hard for them to figure that out. Uh, would it be uh, laziness or willfulness? You know that they 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 <laughs> jump on that word and and figure well this is I can really get them with this one because if you found it out uh, then it shouldn't be that hard for. You know the the people at uh, the, the academics and some of the the so-called journalists who are writing about it. It's part of what you do as a journalist is to is to um, you know get all the facts and, and also deal with things in context. Yeah, I mean, five minutes of research they could find that out. I'm, I'm not kidding. Five minutes of research they could find that out. It's uh, it's not hard. So that because of that, you either have to assume that they're incredibly lazy, which is not out of the realm of possibility, but I think at this point, when you've seen what's gone on um, since early June, I, I think, unfortunately, it looks more like malice, like it's, it's willful blindness. They don't want to acknowledge this. They go in um, with this kind of air of, oh, you know, if you were to point it out, oh, I didn't know that, or they question the sourcing, even though it's the definitive biography of the song. Um, yeah, at this point, I think them falling back on the uh, the ignorance excuses is not an excuse at all. I think you really have to view this as selective editing on their part and um, and twisting things, hoping that readers of these of these articles in the LA Times and the Yahoo Music uh, won't go and do their homework and 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 just they'll just take them at their word because you know they have these traditional platforms that um, used to be afforded so much respect and hoping that people won't notice. Hey, uh, Joshua, I, I saw that you uh, also wrote a piece, and you mentioned before we did when I talked to you earlier, that you uh, just recently became an American citizen. You were uh, born in Canada. Um, can you, we only have about a, a minute and a half left. Uh, just what, what, uh, what led you to become an American and what that process was like? Uh, the process was, was a long one. It took about uh, 12 years from start to finish, but incredibly worth it. Um, I was naturalized early January of this year, and, and after my wedding day, it's the, the happiest moment of my life, bar none. Um, I was born in Toronto, and you know, I, I love Canada. It's a, it's a good place. Um, but around 9-11, actually, I, I started to realize that uh, I was born in the wrong country, <laughs> that... Uh, all, all of my beliefs and, and everything that I held dear and cherished uh, were really lining up with the founding principles of the United States of America. And that's where I wanted to be. And that's where I wanted to, um, to, to raise a family. And, and now it's to do everything I can to preserve those founding principles. Well, it's, it's interesting that um, you are uh, now writing for something called The Federalist, a very American uh, uh, publication and a, a conservative uh, uh, website, and I'm um, um, I'm just wondering what when you were when you were going to school in Toronto, what were you learning about the United States? What are kids in Canada learning about the United States? Maybe that you found either to be not true or to be very true. Uh, we need another hour to cover that. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I have, I have a little bit more time. I thought I only I got a couple minutes actually. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's problematic, and uh, what I assume is is being taught in Europe is 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 mostly the same in terms of American history as what is being taught in Canada. It's not that it's one hundred percent negative, but the narrative is is usually that um, America is at fault when anything goes wrong in the world, and when anything goes right in the world, that is the uh, the result of American action, whether it be you know, curing diseases like smallpox or, or, you know, putting a man on the moon or, you know, defending the world um, from tyranny in, in world wars. It's usually the credit of everyone else and America's left out of that narrative. Um, Canadians often have a propensity to define themselves not by what makes them uniquely Canadian, but how they're not American. And it's usually in a very negative tone. So, um, that's where there was this huge disconnect where I was um, watching the American news um, during the coverage of 
the aftermath of 9-11 and then pairing that with what I was getting in my American history electives in Toronto and going, this is, one of these is wrong. One of these interpretations of the United States is wrong. Um, I grew up on, on a lot of the old, you know, classic American um, films of, you know, John Ford and, and John Wayne. And, and so I got the idea of America um, also from speeches of Ronald Reagan of, of this, this city on a hill, this very optimistic forward looking nation that um, is not ever going to be perfect, but is always striving to form that more perfect union. And that's what drew me to the United States. Hey, Joshua, I'm out of time. I really appreciate it. Uh, you being here. Welcome to, uh, America as a citizen. I am a, uh, I am a, um, uh, a dual citizen. All I have to do is prove it. I haven't done it yet, but my mother was Canadian, so uh, we have some kind of a little kinship there. I, I'm I'm not officially recognized, but if I want to be, I can. But uh, welcome to America, and thanks for doing the show. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Okay, that's Joshua Lawson. He's managing editor of the Federalist. You can check out his piece at thefederalist.com. We'll be right back. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724 884 1496 724-884-1496. We're Diamond and Silk, and we have a new book coming out called Uprising. The Awakening of Diamond and Silk. No one we grew up with could have dreamed of what we have been able to accomplish. Our mother was born in poverty to sharecroppers. She was living the American nightmare. So for us, the American dream meant not only the freedom to find love, and follow our faith. Freedom meant not letting anyone else define who we are, what we can do, or who we should vote for. In Uprising, we talk about the world we grew up in and what led us to rebel against that world. And how rebellion led us to speak out on politics and reach millions of viewers and how you can reach others too. You've seen us and you've heard us. Now read all about us in Uprising. Uprising by Diamond and Silk, coming August 18th. Pre-order at Amazon or wherever books are sold. If you have an unpaid tax debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-308-7862. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-308-7862. 800-308-7862. That's 800-308-7862. Community Tax. Who's your tax guy? Relief Factor. Effective pain relief that really really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two weeks. Yes, two weeks and my pain was gone and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com. 
and then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I liked our show today. Uh, Tracy Beans, you should check. Uh, keep checking out. That's who we had on uh, in our first segment. She's from uh, Uncovered DC, uh, UncoveredDC.com. She does great investigative work, and uh, she told us in the segment she is um, following up on a lot of stuff that this uh, senior Trump administration official told her about how the CDC has been actually working against uh, the administration, which in effect would mean that they're working against the people. So uh, be sure to uh, check. Just go check uh, UncoverDC.com out. Uh, she does a really good job on the uh, the Russia collusion hoax, too. We've had her on to talk about that. And I have a piece of news for you. Uh, you'll be thr- thrilled to hear that. And I don't know where this is going to happen. I guess it's going to be in Washington. Yeah, because the Washington Nationals are going to play their um, their opening game, whenever that is. Uh, baseball with no fans, which I found kind of depressing the other night uh, when the Pirates played their exhibition game. But uh, guess who they've invited to throw out the first pitch uh, for opening day? That would be Dr. Fauci would be there. Okay. Now, this guy... Uh, a few a few days ago, he showed up. I forget the name of the magazine. In Style magazine, some ridiculous magazine, not a medical magazine. It's a picture of him sitting near a swimming pool with sunglasses on, and he's become a star now. And uh, this is Dr. Fauci, the guy who's ruining the world, at least the, the USA anyway, with his insanity. But he's going to throw out the first pitch, so be sure to be tuning in for that. Hope you tune in tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. Goodbye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.